0: I was recently cleaning out my notes on my phone and I came across this note that I wrote all the way back on February 28th, 2016. That's exactly two months after I started counting macros. And here's what I wrote. Restricting myself to only eating, quote unquote, clean foods only leads me to binge on something unhealthy when I finally cave. But I know if I can fit the treat into my macros and eat it guilt-free while still reaching my goals, then I can remove those good or bad labels off of food. Ice cream isn't a good or a bad food, it's a carb with some fat. And if I want it, I can fit it into my daily macros. Macro counting changed my relationship with food and with my body. I stopped restricting and binging. I stopped avoiding looking at myself in the mirror when I stepped out of the shower. I started fueling my body well and enjoying a nightly treat after the kids went to bed. I started feeling my clothes looser and I started seeing muscle definition that I'd never seen before. It is true. You can absolutely see the scale go down without deprivation and without giving up the foods that you love when you learn to count macros. In fact, through macro counting, most of my clients walk away with food freedom that they hadn't yet experienced and also the results that they can maintain for the long haul. If you're curious about how to get started counting macros so that you can reach your body goals in 2023, head to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash start to join my free 14 day macro boot camp where you'll learn how it is entirely possible to lose weight without restriction and without giving up all the foods that you love. So all you have to do is go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash start, enter your name and email, and over the next 14 days, you'll get an email every other day that will walk you through the basics of counting macros. That's bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash start. You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 26. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for moms who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezinski, a registered nurse, personal trainer, online fitness coach, wife, and mom of four. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brieseke, and today I interviewed Katie. And Katie was client of mine a couple years ago, kind of when I first started getting into coaching. And Katie came to me as a mom of three with three little kids and feeling very down about where she was at physically. And she came to me with a goal to be able to transform her body. And over a period of six months, Katie lost 50 pounds. And she's going to talk about that process and what it looked like. But one of the reasons that Katie is one of my favorite clients is because Because she didn't just stop there, she lost fifty pounds, and she went through a reverse, and then she shifted her focus and started to focus on being strong and performing in the gym. And I remember Katie sending me videos of her pring, and I really got to see in her this mental shift that happened. She struggled; like there was struggle that happened, and we'll talk about that during in the interview. But. As she went through the process and as she lost the fat um, and mentally kind of was fighting some of, some of the demons that many of you are fighting about it not being enough or still wanting to see more progress or um, all those things that we have floating around in our head about our bodies, and she made a transition to not focusing on that fat loss anymore and focusing on getting strong. And just that shift... Of focusing on something other than aesthetics and focusing on something where she could see numbers climbing in the gym and feel proud about that was such a good shift for her. And it's made the world of difference in her life. And so one of the things I want you to get away from this This interview is that yes, you can do big things. If you have 50 pounds to lose, you can absolutely do that counting macros. I get that question a lot actually. Is macros only for people who are already skinny and wanting to get skinnier? And the answer is no. You can absolutely lose 50 to 100 pounds doing this, but it's not all about losing weight. like That's not the end game. Uh, The end game is, yeah, maybe you use macros for a fat loss cycle, but the real transformation often comes after that when you reverse diet and when you go up to maintenance. And then when you are able to take the eating at maintenance, and pair it with training in the gym is when you really start to see your body transform. So often you're doing things at the gym, but if you're not eating enough calories, you're not going to maximize that progress. And so having that transition to where you are eating enough, you're fueling your body enough, and you're pairing that with the gym is when you really see awesome progress be made there. So I'm excited for you to listen to my interview with Katie Chang. So let's hop into it. I would like to welcome Katie Chang to the podcast. Hey, Katie. Hey, Amber. I'm really excited to be able to share Katie with you guys. Katie is somebody who's kind of near and dear to my heart. I mean, I can't say that I have favorite clients or favorite past clients, but (laughs) you would be up there if I was going to talk about clients. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) So I'm excited to share everyone. Tell everyone about you. you today. So first of all, can you just kind of introduce yourself? Give us a little background on who Katie is. Yeah, definitely. Um, I am 34 years old
1: and I have three kids. Um, I have twins that are four and a half and a three year old. Um, I live in Portland, Oregon, and we moved here from Seattle three years ago. Um, I'm a nurse. My background is in ICU nursing, and I'm currently working as a hospice nurse in the community. Um, My three kids are in school, uh, full-time preschool. I am married. Um, my husband is also in healthcare and I just went back to work, um, in November of last year of 2018. So I was off of work for, um, almost five years and then I just went back. So my journey with you, Amber started in that time that I was off of work. And after I had my last, um, my last baby, and I think I started with you when she was like six months
0: old. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. So yeah. yeah. And you can see why Katie, and I like get along. We have the mom thing. <laughs> we have the nurse thing. We have the husband in healthcare, yeah. like yeah, totally. <laughs> a lot of similarities. We're like the same age. Um, yeah. So I kind of kindred spirits there. So yeah. Can you kind I'm of sure. paint a picture for everybody of where you were in your life, what you were thinking, what you were feeling, where you're at when we kind of met? Yeah. So I, um,
1: before I got pregnant with my twins, I, um, I was just kind of like an average build, average health. I wasn't super unhealthy, but I was not into fitness by any means. Um, and then I had, I got pregnant with my twins and then they were, not even a year old, and I got pregnant again, so I had my third baby when uh, my twins were 18 months old, so I had a lot of kids really close together, and during that whole time period, um, I put on, like, a good 60 pounds, I think, Um, and I was almost 200 pounds when I met you, Amber, and I used to live kind of around 140-ish. That was kind of my um, my average weight. And I, I remember like with both of my pregnancies, I was not health conscious at all. I was just kind of, um, I feel like this sounds really bad, but it's, it was my truth. I kind of felt like it was an excuse to just eat whatever I wanted. And, um, and that definitely showed in the amount of weight that I gained. It wasn't the quote unquote baby weight. So I was about 60 pounds overweight when I met you and I had been, um, starting to hear about this idea of counting macros, there were a couple people I was looking at on Instagram that had done it. And then when I realized like what it actually involved, like weighing my food with a scale, I was like, heck no, there's no <laughs> way. Um, so I, I remember seeing people online and thinking, oh, that's great. I would love to do what they did. And, and then I realized the method by which they did it, which was counting macros. And I was like, forget about it. So it took me a little while to come around to the idea, but then, um, once once we actually talked about it and I just became more familiar with it, um, I felt like that was kind of the, I don't know, it was the first time that I felt like um, really dedicated and serious about getting back to a healthier point and losing all of that weight that I had put on.
0: Awesome. So, talk to us a little bit about where you were mentally when you when you decided. Like, what kind of made you make that leap to? Okay, I'm ready to invest some money in this. Like, I'm yeah. ready to like work with somebody. What was the kind of deciding moment for you?
1: Um, it was. I think it was primarily how I was really self conscious. Um, I didn't have any clothes that fit. I was just wearing like oversized sweatpants and really loose clothing every day. Um, and I also remember a big thing was, like, physically, I it was so hard for me even to, like, stand up if I was sitting on the floor playing with my kids, just to stand up. Um, I couldn't do anything with them, and I couldn't run around with them. Like, I was just so out of shape and overweight and uncomfortable in my own skin that um, it was really impacting what I could do with my kids. And that was a big turning point for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then what made you want to hire a coach? Like, why didn't you just say, Oh, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to dive in. What was, what was that choice made based
1: on? For me, I think it was primarily the accountability of having a coach. Um, and I mean, I, I, I'm fortunate enough that I could afford to do it because that is something that I realize is, is real. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm really, really grateful for that. But for me, the accountability thing was huge. That's, um, I just tend to work better with that. Like when I started, um, the physical side of my journey working out and all that, I got a trainer and that was super helpful for me as well in the, the fitness side of it. Mm-hmm. So for me, the nutrition and the fitness component both were much more effective in terms of accountability. If I had somebody that I felt like was kind of in it with me and that I was going to be checking in with. And, um, I don't know. It was a, it, in some ways it was a motivator to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you kind of have an idea of, of where you were, um, you know, your post baby six months, just had your third baby in like two years, (laughs) um, kind of feeling uncomfortable, feeling like your clothes don't fit. You can't do the things that you want Mm -hmm. to do. And so we, we started and we dove in. What was that? Like, do you remember what that first, you know, couple weeks to months was like starting to get used to weighing your food and tracking your food and what that was like? Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of different things come
1: to mind about that initial period. Um, I had my whole life, I had been somebody who, I don't know if yo-yo dieting is the right term for me, but I was never able to find any consistency with it. I was either like all in or all out in terms of the, my patterns of eating and, and what I was eating. So I was, um, um, which cre- kind of crept back in later with, I'm sure we'll talk about the kind of binging and restricting cycle, but um, so for me, the 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 weighing the food and all of that it took I don't know maybe like a week or so. Um, it was tedious at first, and tracking everything in MyFitnessPal it was time consuming at first. But to be honest with you, I was like I don't know I was really into it because I was I was pretty stoked about this new. Um, this new method that I was going to try. And I think that it actually felt really liberating for me because it was the first time that I felt like I was, I had some control over what I was eating and the way I was eating and how much and keeping track of it. Um, so although I don't know, it's kind of, um, it's kind of um, counterintuitive because you're tracking everything so closely. And I think to a lot of people that sounds like it's just micromanaging and controlling. But for me, I felt like I was finally in control for the first time, which was in turn liberating because the way that I ate was so, um, out of control and I would just eat and eat and eat. And that was whatever I wanted without, you know, it was just reckless abandon. I would just eat anything. And so to finally have, um, kind of this this framework to keep my nutrition inside of actually felt really good for me. So the the part about weighing my food it did sound absolutely absurd at first and then after a week or so, I was much more comfortable with it. And then, within a matter of weeks to months, and now, especially, I mean, I could do it like with my eyes shut, my hands tied behind my back. It's super quick, and it just becomes second nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was kind of my experience with starting out um, with the the weighing my food thing. i I definitely would um, encourage people not to be. Um, well you can be intimidated by it or, or cautious because of it. That's totally fine, but don't let it stop you. Just give Mm -hmm. it a try because it totally gets easier. Um, and that ends up being like the least of the least of it, you know?
0: Yeah. Because after, after you weighed your food and you started tracking, like you lost weight every single week and it was just easy and you just like super, it was super easy, right? Yeah. And I think (laughs) that like the way that it
1: happens, it's like, (laughs) The way that it happens at first, I mean, the way that I was eating before compared to the day that I started tracking, it was so drastically different that for me, um, the weight started coming off really quickly at first. And I remember that first few months, like you said, every week it was falling off. And that was, I think that it, um, I don't know, I think maybe it's, there's some, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think maybe that happened because... Um I've heard other people say that too that it happened that way at first you lose a lot. Mm-hmm. But it it gave me that motivation to kind of keep going at first because it was such a drastic lifestyle change for me and I mean it changed things socially. There were a lot of changes involved in it. So it really seeing the weight come off um initially much quicker than it did down the road, it was it was definitely helpful in terms of giving me some of that motivation to keep going.
0: Yeah. And and I like, it wasn't easy guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Katie, like it, she saw progress at the beginning. And I think you're absolutely right, Katie. I think it, a lot of it is because it was such a drastic change from what you were doing previously. Um, but there were roadblocks, like we, oh, sure. like you hit roadblocks. So kind of talked through us, like maybe it's kind of, what was some of the first like roadblocks that you hit kind of how we dealt with those? What were you thinking when we hit them?
1: Um, I remember, I had a hard time with progress pictures at first. Yeah, um, I remember that because yeah, I could see um I could see the weight on the scale changing, but I didn't look any different or it was it was, you know, it was very small if if anything noticeable. Um so that was a big part of it and then In terms of that, I think we actually, um, I'm trying to think back, but I I think that we or I took a break from taking the progress photos for a while when Mm -hmm. we kind of realized okay, maybe for me, this isn't kind of triggering, isn't so helpful. Maybe it's triggering something. Yeah. So I think we backed off that for a little bit. Um, And so that was definitely one of them, just kind of not seeing the physical changes as quickly as I would like, even though I could see the numbers dropping on the scale. Um, And then I also remember having a hard time with, um, like, if, if social opportunities came up, like if I was out with my family and... Um, we were at a restaurant that was something that I struggled with even early on, like the, the, um, eating and staying on track at home wasn't challenging for me, but as soon as it was time to like go out for dinner or if we, you know, um, stopped and got coffee at a coffee shop and the kids were with us and they wanted a treat or a pastry or something that was really hard for me not to. Um, and I remember, um, struggling a lot with that in the beginning, like those moments that are kind of tempting Mm -hmm. and going back and forth in my head a lot between like, you know, oh, I can't do that because it's bad or that will be, I'll be messing up if I do that, that sort of language surrounding Mm -hmm. food. Um, so those were some things that I really struggled with at first. And for me, once I, I think the reason that was so hard is once I decided to indulge in the scone or whatever it was, then I was like, I was off to the races. I was, I was like, I I wasn't able yet to have a scone and then just be done with it and get back on track and let it be what it is.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I was, um, okay, give me another scone and give me a cinnamon roll. And where are we going out for lunch? And what do you want to do for dinner tonight? And then let's go get ice cream. So it was kind of like a, for me, it was really easy to, um, it just snowballed. I didn't have the ability to just have one thing and then, get back on track mm-hmm. for that day. Yeah. So,
0: let's talk, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that because that's a very common thing mm-hmm. that I'm sure a lot of women are out there like nodding their heads. They're like, yeah, that's me. Like if mm-hmm. I eat one Oreo, it's like I don't ever eat one Oreo. It's I eat <laughs> zero Oreos or I eat twelve yeah, Oreos. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and there's no middle ground. Um yeah. and and you definitely had that experience. Um, especially over the weekends. I remember that was yeah. something that was an issue. Um yeah. so talk to us about like the the binging and how that that kind of progressed through the time that we were working together.
1: Yeah. So I, it didn't happen right away. It was, um, I was really coasting on that momentum for a while and it was, you know, there was this new lifestyle and it was really invigorating and I was really loving the, the scale dropping and, um, and I, I felt great in it. You know, I was just, I wasn't, I didn't have uh what is the term diet fatigue? I didn't have mm-hmm. it yet. And I was, I was still my macros were still set for cutting macros, um, so they were low. They were on the low end, but I was. I was okay with that because it was that initial kind of momentum that you get and that motivation from when you're just starting out and um eventually and I remember reading things on various people's um blogs or Instagram accounts about like diet fatigue and eventually this will happen and and then it finally did start to happen and I didn't even I don't think I realized it consciously but the way it looked for me was um I would on the the weekends like I I think that I was just cutting for, I had kind of, um, reached my limit with cutting. And so when the weekend rolled around, I was, I mean, I would like white knuckle it through the week and I was, I was obsessively thinking about like all the stuff I wanted to eat, And I was hungry and I was just so fixated on what I wanted in terms, like, I just wanted to eat everything under my roof. You know, it was, it was, it was like a crippling um, obsession almost. And so then when the weekend rolled around, that kind of like triggered something for me mentally or psychologically that I could just go buck wild because I was so consistent during the week. Mm -hmm. And I would, um, I didn't just like allow myself an extra treat or something. I, I didn't track and I, um, I don't know if I was like a full-fledged binge eater, but I ate uncontrollably and I ate even when I wasn't really hungry. And, um, it was, it, it became, um, it was the entire weekend. So it was like Friday night to, you know, Sunday night. And then on Monday morning, I would have that mentality that I was really bad over the weekend and I messed up and, um, a lot of self-deprecating thoughts. And then I would kind of, you know, get back on track or back on the bandwagon, so to speak. And instead of just going back to my regular macros, I would try to restrict myself even more. So I already had macros on the low end from being in a cutting phase. And then I would, um, I would, I wasn't like consciously trying to punish myself, but on some level, that's what I was doing because I was like, well, I was really bad over the weekend. So I'm going to eat a lot less during the week to try to make up for it. But that just ended up perpetuating the cycle for me because then I was that much more obsessed with eating a bazillion calories over the weekend because I was so deprived during the week. And And I don't mean like deprived from a nutritional standpoint, like I was wasting away. It wasn't really like that. It was just, um, I was restricting myself so much that mentally I felt like I wasn't allowed to eat anything and I felt physically uncomfortable because of it. And, um, it affected my moods because I was just so fixated on it and thinking about it all the time. Just like this rumination, um and then you know came friday and oh thank god you know i felt like i could finally exhale and then i would just go to town again and mm-hmm. i started um putting on weight when this was happening even though i was restricting my calories so much during the week i was still gaining weight because i was the amount that I was eating during the weekend. So, um, so that was really, really frustrating and self-defeating. And I remember every week telling myself, okay, I'm not gonna do it again. I'm not gonna do it again. It felt terrible. Don't do it. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. And um I I felt like I was never gonna be out of that. It was really, really awful. I felt like I had read about people that had experienced the cycle of binging and restricting and they broke free from it. And I remember thinking like, I won't be one of those people that breaks free from it. Like this is my, I am destined to eat like this forever. And um, it was awful. It was like being imprisoned in my own mind in terms of that. Mm -hmm. And so so
0: so what was the next step
1: then? um, The next step, I remember deciding to... I think at this point, um, in my journey, I should also mention that I was doing like a lot of cardio. Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea of like being okay without being super, super skinny, I, I wasn't quite there yet. I was still in this mindset of losing weight, being thinner, being smaller, more lean. Um, and so with that came a lot of cardio for me. And I remember, Getting, I I can't remember exactly why, um, like the actual, the specific thought or event that preceded this decision. But I remember where I was and everything. I was walking home from the park with my kids, and I was texting you, and I said something to the effect of, "I I can't cut anymore. I need to Mm -hmm. do a reverse, and at the very least, get back to maintenance." And I had never done that. I mean, I think I was on cutting macros for. I don't know. You probably have a better idea than I do, Amber, but it was a long time and I was definitely burnt out by macros that low. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, I think I, I, um, you know, I just, I, I didn't realize the, I didn't have like the education that I do now, um, regarding cutting phases being temporary like that's the, mm-hmm. the point is not that those are your the numbers you're going to live at and be sustainable that's just a um a means to an end and then you have to you know bump your calories back up i didn't really have like the full picture i didn't play it, the tape all the way to the end in my mind to me it was just cut 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 until i get skinny mm-hmm. and so that just that ran out. It just stopped working. Mm -hmm. Not only was I unable to do it from an eating standpoint and stick to it, I was also gaining weight. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is just really not working. Um, And, but I think more than the weight gain, even to be honest with you, it was just like the mental baggage of that lifestyle. I was just so, so, so over it. So I told you that I wanted to do a reverse and get back up to maintenance. And I had been trying to lose the same 10 pounds for like I don't know a year <laughs> and, and I was finally just like screw it those 10 pounds are just going to be what they are but I cannot eat like this anymore it was awful mm-hmm. and I didn't even enjoy eating like that on the weekends you know it, it was like I felt completely out of control I felt like I was at its mercy and um it was a terrible terrible feeling it wasn't like oh this is so fun I can eat all the ice cream I want it was it was like being imprisoned in it and not being able to get out and um, so for me, the big, um, turning point, the next part of that journey for me was when I, I did my first reverse diet with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about your reverse. Cause I think this was kind of a yeah. magical, magical moment for you. Oh my gosh. It
1: was incredible. And I honestly, like I had, I mean, I the only accounts that I followed on Instagram, for example, it was all of these fitness accounts, and people would talk about reverse dieting, and I was just like, yeah, well, that's not me, and you know, I I didn't think that I needed it or that I was going to do it because I was going to gain weight or I would at the very least stop losing weight, and I couldn't fathom not being skinnier, and you know, so. Um, but anyways, once I actually did make that decision because it just got painful enough for me. Um, That was a huge, huge turning point. I would almost say that that was a bigger, um, a more pivotal moment in my journey than that initial cut was when, and and I'll say like my initial cut, I lost 50 pounds in six months. So it was really from a weight loss standpoint and fat loss, it was really effective. Mm -hmm. You know, I lost 50 pounds in six months, boom. And then I hit that six month point and I just kind of struggled along that next six months. And, um, and then the, um, the reverse diet was like the most liberating thing. I think I have, I, I, maybe I have ever done. It was, um, we gradually started increasing my macros back up and you set them. I didn't do that on my own. And I remember, um, feeling so satiated with higher macros that I, I gradually started feeling less and less tempted to binge when the weekends rolled around. And it wasn't like, um, like it was before where, you know, Thursday and then Friday would, would, would be looming. And I would just kind of be thinking, Oh, thank gosh, it's almost Friday. So I can eat again. I kind of started that sensation started to lessen and I didn't feel so deprived during the week. I felt satiated. I actually didn't even feel hungry, Um, Because I was, I felt like I was eating a normal, healthy amount of food and I was able to find some consistency in my weekends because of that. And then what actually ended up happening, I think um, the first, um, I'm not sure how long it was, but maybe the, like a couple months, maybe I actually lost another like seven or eight pounds when I was doing my reverse diet back up to maintenance. And that just kind of went to show me the, the, uh, dramatic impact that the weekend binging yeah. was having, um, yeah. which is just crazy to me. I mean, the amount of calories that I had to consume to, cons- to gain weight, compared to the, you know how deprived I was during the week, um, that's a lot of calories in two days. So it was enough to offset that and make me gain weight, not only not lose, but gain. So when I did the reverse and unbeknownst to me, I was losing weight, which was like, oh my gosh. Um, it felt, it was like that kind of empowering feeling. I think that I felt when I first started tracking macros, it was just in a different context um, because I felt like, wow, I can, I can eat like a, you know, quote unquote, normal person or with normal patterns. And I, not only am I not gaining weight, but I'm actually losing weight. And I, um, I don't think it was, it, it wasn't at that point. Um, I was getting into Bodybuilding and doing some powerlifting, so at that point I wasn't quite as fixated on losing losing weight and being skinny. But I only mentioned that because it was so important for me to see how my biggest fear around reverse dieting was that I was going to gain weight, and then the opposite happened because mm-hmm. it gave me this stability and this. Um, it it was what stopped me from ultimately continuing with my binging and restricting cycle every weekend.
0: So yeah. Yeah. And looking back, I mean, you were early on in my coaching, uh, mm-hmm. looking back, I think I would have re- like, suggested a reverse diet sooner had I uh-huh. had you as a client now, having the experience. Yeah. Um, but you were so successful early on that it was just like, yeah, we're, mm-hmm. we're like, you're doing this. We're going, we're going to keep going until it's not working anymore. Uh, yeah. And by that point, yeah, it was like desperately needed a reverse diet. Um, mm-hmm. And I was super happy that your reverse diet went so well because you did come out the other side. It was almost like magic. It was like, I'm eating more, I'm binging less. Like The weekends mm-hmm. are like this thing I'm scared of, like I had been scared of previously. And it was just, it was a really awesome place for you to be. And like you said, you're not unlike so many women who they never, I liked how you said, like played to the end of the tape where it's like, the only thing they see is this cutting phase. Like, it's just like you cut and you like get skinny and that's like it. Yeah. And It really isn't the whole picture. Like the whole beauty of it is that time when you do reverse up, you do increase your calories and now you're at a really good place where you can fuel your body. You can perform well in the gym. You can put on muscle. You can do all those things Mm -hmm. that you want to do. That's going to give you the long-term results. And I think Katie, that's one of the reasons you're one of my favorite clients because you did that. You took that time, you reversed and you got into weightlifting and you put yeah. on muscle and you like focused <laughs> on getting strong and not just on being like a smaller version of yourself. So yeah. I want you to talk a little bit about your weightlifting journey as well, because this kind of all started at the same time period. Yeah, it
1: did. And I um, I had a trainer through this this whole time and that kind of um, changed phases just like my journey with, with macros did. Um, and when I started out with him, it was it was all cardio or primarily cardio. Um, my sessions would be largely um, like hit training, high intensity interval training. And then on my off days, I would just go and like run or do the stairmaster for an hour, which I will never, ever, ever do again. Um, so it was, and I hated it. It was like,. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. It was just like, and I will say, I mean, people rag on cardio a lot and including myself. And I will say though, that there is a time and a place for cardio. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Um, and that was, had a, probably a significant, um, amount to do with how I lost 50 pounds in six months. So I'm totally, you know, going to give credit where credit's due. That being said, once I, started to transition out of that cutting phase and this obsession with being a smaller version of myself and losing more weight and being skinnier and just seeing a number on the scale. And then I would be content with myself. It was this reverse diet was so awesome because, um, to give listeners some idea, I think that my, um, my macros were around like 1475, my um, calories. And then by the end of my reverse, I was up to like 2200 and I was still losing losing weight. So and I was not bloated. I was looking lean. I mean it was really, um it was really significant the amount of calories that I added into my diet and did not gain a pound. Um so that was really um that was really important for me to see that. And then I think that led me to be more I don't know, it kind of transformed my mentality um it shifted away from being skinny to, well, this feels so great to eat this much and not be deprived and feeling deprived constantly and being so obsessed with that feeling and so sick of it. Um, I felt physically so much better eating more and the idea of being stronger as opposed to just skinnier and smaller started to be really appealing. So um i spent uh several months focusing on powerlifting in my sessions and we did um primarily you know bench deadlifts and squats and then um it was during that time i think i started to transition from powerlifting into more bodybuilding um um structure of my workouts and then that ultimately became i remember at first i was um I mean, remnants, remnants of my old ways of thinking still existed. So it didn't happen overnight. And I'll give you an example. I, Mm -hmm. I remember when I, when I started transitioning from powerlifting to bodybuilding, um, I, I wanted to do legs twice a week and my, I always have had bigger thighs, hips, um, a small waist, but a big booty, bigger thighs. And so, my lower body was always my insecurity, my legs. Um, that was a big, big thing for me growing up. And even as an adult, that was always my thing. So I was like working my legs to death. So some of that obsession and some of that mentality was, was still in there for sure. I got to do legs twice a week and like really, you know, be super sore. And, um, and, and, Eventually I decided I wanted to actually like wanted to start seeing myself put on muscle. Like I wanted to see a physical transformation, um, in my upper body and I don't carry my fat in my upper body so much. So I stopped doing legs twice a week and started doing upper body. Um, I came up with a, with my trainer with a split for arms, chest, um, back, um, um I guess that was mostly it but it was it was I mean I I I did that I did legs once a week and then the other I would say 4 days I usually trained 5 out of 7 days um were focused on upper body and it was it was so cool to be eating the amount that I was eating and you know I I put on muscle somewhat quickly. I mean, I could start seeing it somewhat quickly because I just didn't carry a lot of fat on my upper body. And I loved the way that it looked and the way that it felt. And I didn't look bulky and I didn't, um, you know, all those things, those terms that um, I think women hear and are fearful of none of that happened. I just looked really lean and really toned. And I didn't ever realize that in order to look toned, like that comes from building muscle and Mm -hmm. you have to lift progressively heavier and heavier and heavier or increase your reps or, you know, that there's actually a method to doing that. And it's really difficult and it takes a really long time, primarily for women um, because we lack testosterone. So it's, it was just, it was so cool to me um, to see my upper body start to look like it had some muscle and I, I just, I caught the bug, you know, I, I, I wanted to look jacked and I still do. And I, um, I mean, that's not for everybody, but I think you and I kind of share similar views on that Amber Mm -hmm. that, um, we think it's cool. And, and, and for (laughs) me, it was really empowering. And I, I was never, it never even occurred to me before I started any of this, that women, can lift weights. That was just, it was like women do cardio. That's just what women do, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, it was really cool to be one of very few women that I knew were in the gym picking up the weights and like really going for it and trying to set goals with it. And, um, I just loved it. And it was the first time also that I had done any type of physical activity that I really genuinely looked forward to doing. It wasn't like I had to drag myself to the gym to do 90 minutes of cardio and hating every second of it. It was, I loved it, you know, and I I still do. It was like the
0: highlight for sure. So Love it. See, yeah. this is, this is why we're friends. <laughs> we like agree on all of these things. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I love that it it stopped becoming about being smaller and, and skinnier yeah. and thinner. And it just came like you had such a transformation from losing the fat and then it became about getting strong and building muscle and your body yeah. changed shape and it changed form. And I remember when you sent me, I think it was your first 200 pound deadlift um, and just like seeing that transformation of you mm-hmm. going from where you we were when you started with me to this place where you're like having a 200 pound deadlift it, was, it yeah. was just super exciting to be able to yeah. see so tell us kind of where you're at now like wh- what's Katie doing now where are you at with your with your body and how you're feeling and what are some of your goals yeah you know it's interesting I actually I've thought a lot about this in
1: terms of the knowing that this interview was coming up, um, because right now I'm not tracking currently and I'm not weighing myself. Um, I'm for the first time in this journey, just kind of, I'm not tracking, but not out of control, which is a new, new territory for me. Mm Um, and it's actually been, it's been good. I, um, I, I, I don't feel like I'm quite as lean as I was when I was tracking. But that being said, I've felt like surprisingly okay with that. Um, I haven't started having the self-deprecating thoughts and, you know, I haven't reverted back to that. Um, And I don't know. I think, you know, a big part of it for me too is I have kids. And when I was growing up, it, like, it wasn't something that we talked about or that was a part of our lifestyle or anything. And I'm not trying to, like, rag on my parents, but it just wasn't. And my my mom was, um, she, I remember her talking a lot about, like, as I was growing up about her body and her insecurities. And she was really self-conscious of her legs. And so I was, like, aware of my legs from a really young age, way, way younger than I should have had any awareness of that And so, um, that's been a big motivator for me in my own journey is, I mean, I wore shorts consistently for the first time, like I think two summers ago. So I'm, and I'm in my thirties, you know, so I'd never wore shorts because of that reason. And in hindsight, I had like a pretty average normal body. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, I didn't wear shorts because I, I don't know, whatever. I wasn't 400 pounds. It was you know, it was just that kind of distorted view of myself, um, that I can see in hindsight now. So for me right now, um, trying to just kind of have some, um, what is the word, like some sort of middle ground between, Mm -hmm. um, not being completely like having all fitness and nutrition off of my radar, but also not being completely consumed by it and kind of because I definitely, the one thing I will say, I mean, I said a lot of really positive things about my my reverse and my um, bodybuilding and the weightlifting and wanting to put on muscle and finally being able to shake that desire to just be smaller. It was incredible and very empowering, and it was it was the pivotal point for me. Um, in a lot of different regards and who I am as a person it had, you know, it infiltrated a lot of different areas of my life. But that being said, it was also still something that, um, it was, I wasn't back at work yet. So that was like the only thing that I, I was like really focused on it. I worked really hard on it. Um, I worked out every day. I mean, it was just, I was really, I was really disciplined, which is great, but it also was, um, I don't know. I didn't, uh, I, I still had a hard time. Like I didn't ever want to not track, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that started to feel, um, a little caged in also. So right now I'm kind of somewhere between those two places, I think, and just trying to take a break from counting and tracking. Um, but still, Try to just make conscious decisions about what I'm eating and do it in moderation and let my kids see that and continue to talk about going to the gym and how that makes me strong and it makes me healthy and happy and make that a big emphasis um, for them. So I'm kind of trying to feel my way through that, that phase right now.
0: Awesome, yeah. yeah, and that's a very, very common like swinging from one extreme to the other, and then finding yeah. some sort of happy ground, middle ground. Totally, and yeah. I think it's really important to to emphasize that, um, you know, that you're not tracking now, and that you've been able to take that. Knowledge that you gained and that mm-hmm. information that you gained and be able to find that middle ground and that happy, um, that happy place. Yeah. Uh, and that's a really awesome place to be able to be. So that's mm-hmm. really cool. One last thing I wanted to chat about, yeah. if, if you're willing to share, is, um, I wondered about the, your relationship with your husband and how this was impacted over this time. Cause I, I remember in our conversations, we, we talked about that a little bit about, the weekends and, yeah. um, talk about a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that was, um, it was, it was, it was challenging for, for quite a while, if I'm being honest. Um, it was, so we, we have these three little kids and we had them really close together and that was really hard on us as individuals and on our marriage. Um, and for us, we, ended up like weekends. The only thing, because the kids were so small, our only option, or at least we felt like this was just going out to eat all the time. Like we could take them with us to do that. And that I think we enjoyed it so much because it made us feel like semi-human and sort of like adults to go out to eat and be in restaurants and get out. And so that was something that before I started this journey, we were doing that literally every weekend. Like we just went out all the time and it was, it was fun because we were at restaurants all the time and eating whatever we wanted. And, um, and then when I started tracking, it was a really big shift in the lifestyle and the, um, social experiences that we had. Um, and I think, you know, at that stage when you're kind of brand new, at least for me, when I was brand new at it um, and I was really motivated and I was really disciplined and dedicated, I didn't, I didn't even have the desire to kind of like take a day off or, you know, that didn't, that came later. But um, so that was something that I remember feeling really like, like I had separated myself from him a lot and it was kind of isolating and kind of lonely. And I felt kind of like, oh gosh, where's like, where is our fun now? Like, where is our outlet? And even when we were at home cooking, like I would kind of be doing my own separate thing and from what he was having. And, um, he was always really supportive of me tracking and, and, I was never made to feel, um, guilty about it or self-conscious of it or anything. So I will say that. And that was, I was really lucky, um, to have somebody who, who had that outlook on it. Um, and he was really proud of me and, and that was really encouraging, but I did definitely notice and feel that kind of underlying separation that it caused at first. Um, and I remember talking to you about that a lot, Amber, and we, um, one of the things that I, I didn't do for a really long time was create recipes in my fitness pal. And so I was, what that meant for me was I just had to eat things that I could measure and weigh individually. So I couldn't make like a casserole or, um, you know, because there was no way of tracking that because everything was, you know, all the ingredients were mixed in. And I remember the first time that I made a recipe and it actually, it was really intimidating at first um, for those people who are intimidated by logging recipes I was too, for sure. But once I did it and got the hang of it, it was okay. Um, and that was a big turning point for me in terms of being able to kind of eat what my family was eating and not feel like I was so isolated. Um, and I didn't do that every day. I still had days where I kind of did a little bit more my thing or my, my macro friendlier version of whatever he was doing. Um, but over time, it I don't know, I think the, um, it was really, it felt really severe and really noticeable at first, just because it was such a big lifestyle change for us, um, because that was kind of just circumstantially with having little kids and just like wanting to get out and feel like adults again, going out to dinner was kind of our option, and that was our outlet. So for us, it felt like a pretty drastic change at first, um, even though he was supportive of it. And, um, yeah, I, I, um, I'm really glad that I, you know, kind of stuck with it, even though it felt like that, that I didn't just throw the towel in right away and think, well, this is, um, this is, you know, I can't do this if it's gonna feel like this between him and I. And, and over time, I think that um, he's so used to it now that, you know, even though I'm not tracking religiously and even before I stopped tracking altogether, like I am right now, um, I was just a lot, I had a lot more flexibility with it. I wasn't quite as rigid because I wasn't in a cutting phase. And um, so that was another benefit, I think, to doing the reverse as I was able to um, eat congruently with my family, with my husband and still maintain those macros because they were hefty enough macros that um, I didn't have to, like, eat a rice cake instead of a piece of bread or something, you know. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it was definitely something that um, was an adjustment, and there were parts of it that were really hard at first. Um, But I think I also – I think I – I'm trying to remember if we, like – had conversations about it. Um, my husband, I mean, I will say that he's not like a macro tracker. He he works out, you know, a few times a week, does like 30 minutes of cardio. I mean, he's pretty like, um, he's not in this world and that is okay. And I think that there's probably things about that that make it harder and things that make it easier. And it just kind of is what it is. So it's definitely. My point in saying that is, it's possible you can still do this even if your partner is not like 100% wedded to that lifestyle himself or herself. Um, you can still do it, which which I did, and he um, he I, he did kind of, you know, even though he never took on tracking and counting macros, um, he did notice on many occasions that. He, his eating was a lot more um, dialed in, and he was just more conscious of the choices that he was making. And um, he also, though, is not somebody who has the background that I have of like eating excessively, and um, so that was something that he just does not relate to at all. And thinks, you know, I think he still has some kind of crazy ideas about <laughs> about that, just because he simply has never experienced it or lived it. So he's not um, judgmental per se, but he just doesn't relate to it. So mm-hmm. for him kind of just eating middle of the road is just like no big deal. So he's yeah. one of those people that could get out a pint of ice cream and he still does this. He'll get out a pint of ice cream and he'll take like three bites of it and then put it away. And that was like his, that was satiating for him. I'm just mm-hmm. like, wow, <laughs> that just blows my mind. You know, <laughs> I was eating a pint of ice cream a night for a while, literally. And it was mm-hmm. like, it was so easy. It was like nothing. So, So, um, yeah, we have really, really different lifestyles and upbringings in terms of, of eating and eating patterns and habits. And, um, even given those differences, you know, it was, I was still, I've still been able to be successful at it. And so.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Katie, I love your story and I know that people are going to listen and they're going to hear it and they're going to be like, I totally resonate with that. I know exactly that that experience. Cause that's where I am. I'm in the middle of yeah. that right now. And I, what yeah. my hope is, is that if you are listening to Katie and you're like, okay, I can identify with that. That's me right now. You yeah. can also get a sense that like, there, there's a next step, and there is totally. there is an end, and there is yeah. like getting to a place where you feel really comfortable with your body and with your food, mm-hmm. and and finding that that place of moderation. But it's not a quick fix. Like we're talking, yeah. Katie and I started together like what, like two two and a half years ago. I, I mean, it was two and a half. At I mean, least it was going it, on three. Right. So this was not like yeah. a like three months and like everything's all better. Like this is a yeah. process. But yeah. knowing that th- that you can get to the place. That Katie's at is so reassuring. I think for people who are in the middle of it right now, and so that's one of the reasons I really wanted you to be able to share your story because I think that people are going to be able to feel like okay, like there is an end. I can see that this is yeah. this is going to be positive for me in the long run, even though it is really hard at some points. There yeah. there's times that it's really hard, and I remember emails from you that it was really hard. And oh my gosh, um, it was so hard sometimes. Yeah, yeah. but there is it there is a positive. And end result because mm-hmm. of it. So yeah, for sure. Thank you so yeah. much for being willing to share your story, Katie. I <laughs> loved having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Amber. And I really, I really just want to stress
1: to people that, I mean, in hindsight, if there was one thing that I wish that I knew or could tell myself when I started this journey was that there's so many different phases of it that, um, you know, it's, it's, There's so many different phases of it that you will go through, and I have always been a pretty average looking and weight um, my whole life, but even so, I still had huge body image issues, and I, for the first time in my 30s, after having three kids, am able to be pretty comfortable in my skin. And I have cellulite and stretch marks and loose skin. I've got it all. But I'm like, that being said, I also still look at myself and feel pretty proud of what I look like, which is just an enormous thing. So, um, there's so many different phases to it. It's not just the cutting phase. Like that is only the tip of the iceberg in my opinion. So so thank you
0: so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you, Katie. Wasn't that an awesome interview? I'm really grateful for Katie to coming on and sharing a lot of her feelings. And I hope that a lot of it resonated with you. One of the things I told Katie before we hopped on was that, she didn't really feel like she had a lot to say, that she had anything to say that would be helpful to anyone. And I told her that there are so many of you listening right now who are going through the same experience that she went through a couple of years ago, and just hearing that you're not alone in those thoughts and you're not alone in those struggles, and that you can come out the other side very positive and and a transformed person is really motivating. So I'm grateful that she was able to come on and share that. And I hope that you found value in what she had to say. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. I have some really awesome episodes that are coming up that I don't want you to miss. And if you subscribe, then you will be able to make sure you don't miss a single episode. That's it for this week's episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hold up, sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. And I do truly want to know what you think.